Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Forget front row seats. We're taking you into the action on the field and in the dugout with Season 2 of Play Loud. Follow some of the league's biggest stars as we mic them up and get the cameras rolling during some of the hottest matchups of the season. Catch real-time reactions from Juan Soto and Francisco Lindor in the field and catch all the hilarious conversations between players off the field with unprecedented access. Watch episodes of Play Loud at YouTube.com slash MLB. Play Loud brings you baseball like you've never seen before. He's the Bradford Files. I, why do I get to go first? Because you're the baddest. <laughs> the Bradford Files with Rob Bradford and Kirk Minahan, featuring topics you care about and some you might not. Today on the Bradford Files, a discussion of Twitter, Battle of the Network Stars, and a chat with David Ortiz. It's an honor for me to be the first guy that you show. It's the Bradford Files. Welcome to the first edition of the Bradford Files, a podcast. Finally, another podcast. In case you didn't know, I'm here with Kirk Minahan. I'm Rob Bradford. Kirk, why are we able to call this Bradford Files and not the Minahan Files? I don't know, Rob. Why? <laughs> because I'm the boss, A. Right. What's okay. B? I think we do you want, you want me to say yeah, it? Yeah, I want you to say it. Um, because you have, uh, what is it, a pair of leather pants in your closet? No, is that what it is? A leather, leather vest. A leather vest. Much like right. James Gardner in the Rockford Files. And uh, and plus, I have copyrighted the name, so I figure I should do something with it. So anyway, I saw you know I saw uh, Jimmy Gardner as we call him in the business. Yeah. I saw him one time at a celebrity golf tournament in San Diego. Did did he, did he look exactly like he did in The Great Escape? <laughs> he almost choked to death on his own pants. He has like the Clint Eastwood <laughs> pants look going. And somebody, and, and it was at the putting green. I was with with my now wife, and uh, and and somebody called up to him. They're like. Mr. Gardner, Mr. Gardner, I, I, the screenwriter of you know they remade the Maverick movie. Yes, he was he was the, the yes, dad or whatever. I, I remember that. So William Goldman was a screenwriter, and the guy says, you know, I went to a, a whatever with William Goldman was speaking. And he said that you were the key to making the Maverick movie work. He shuffled over. He said, he said what? He said what? And he said you were the key to making the Maverick movie work. Oh. He must be sick. <laughs> and then he just shuffled away. That's my James Gardner story. <laughs> this is much better than the image I have him in the, in the turtleneck tunneling under the uh, the Nazi occupation. So, yeah, the days of carrying Donald Pleasance around her. her <laughs> no. Well, um, yeah, so anyway, you'll get more of that here. Well, good start, Kurt. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, that was, energy, that energy, was, energy. You know, that was solid. Uh, so anyway, let's get right into it. And the first thing that we're going to touch on is David Ortiz. Uh-huh. You know why? Because I, I interviewed him for 10 minutes <laughs> wow. last night. Uh, so I interviewed David Ortiz, and we had to get to a couple topics, one of which maybe nobody cares about, but 
I had to address anyway, which is his his choice of the top five movies. In case you missed it, I, I can't believe anyone missed this video segment two, no. two years ago when we <laughs> had the two people go on the website. Uh, David Ortiz, Sean Casey asked David Ortiz what his top five movies were, and this is exactly what he said. Number one has to be Scarface. Scarface, all right. Right. All right. He's big time. Say hello to my little friend. Hell yeah. Anna like this. Anna likes this? Anna like this, yeah. That's number two. Number three, have to go uh, Anaconda. Anaconda is a great movie. <laughs> That's a great movie, Bob. And you know it. <laughs> what else? Uh, number number four, have to be, um, uh, Jesus. What about Braveheart? Rambo three. <laughs> Version or the no, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he wasn't talking about that. <laughs> you think he's talking about the Steve Martin version? Yeah, um, I would say it's not completely out of line from from all the athletes that I've seen over the years who have been interviewed and I've seen on cribs and and whatnot. It seems like it falls right <laughs> in the place. I don't think he's going to be confused with Pauline Kale or or an early Roger Ebert with his with his favorite films. But I mean, you know. It, well, to on. each his own. I mean, you know. I'm, yes, yes. I mean, it, yes. That is, just leave it at that. I'm not sure Anaconda is not without its merits. I haven't really watched it again since I saw it the first time. A- Anaconda, uh, analyze analyze this, which Sean Casey thought was a porno. Analyzes this. <laughs> um, you know, Scarface. I think, in uh, fairness, to in that, fairness right? to David Ortiz, Scarface. I think he was identifying as number one. Um, Rambo, Rambo three, right? Uh, which. <laughs> yeah, not the latest Rambo, clearly. Um, I th- an athlete has to say that Scarface is their favorite movie, though. I mean, is it contractually yeah, obligated? I actually think that's part of his option. Yeah. And how about Pink Panther? Where does which which <laughs> not, which, not, which clause in the contract does that does that lend itself to? That's a rough one. I, I you know, in fairness, I haven't, I haven't seen that that the, 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 <laughs> the Steve Martin updated version of the Peter Sellers classic, but I would say. Uh, those would not land on my list of five favorite movies. I'll be fair. It's just a shame. I mean, to to exclude Boat Trip out of that list is just <laughs> a travesty. So anyway, uh, there you go. And and we talked. So when I sat down with David Ortiz, we had to address that topic. But we also addressed his contract, what his future await, what awaits in his future, and really what his mindset is going into the off season. So. So sidle up to the uh, to your listening device and take a listen. David Ortiz, myself, right now. David Ortiz, first guest on the Bradford Files. Welcome. Hi, right, thanks, my man. I appreciate it. And uh, it's an honor for me to be the first guest at your show. We, we won't be too long, but the... Um, and I will get to the fact that you picked the Pink pa- Panther as one of your top five movies <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other year. 
Well, you know, I finished with the Pink Panther, but I have a few good ones right before that. Yeah, I don't know. Rambo. Rambo 3? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Actually, I got to include Rocky. We'll assume that's not Rocky 6, right? <laughs> yeah, I got some good ones, man. But uh, like I say, you know, it's just... It's just I'm a movie guy. I like to watch a lot of movies and watch a lot of TVs, and, and that's how I go. Yeah, like Anna, Anna likes this, something yeah. known as Analyze yeah. This. Yeah, <laughs> and Anaconda. Anaconda, <laughs> you, you, you know it. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you just congratulations, 31st home run. I mean, this is a pretty great accomplishment. And you just finished talking to the media, and, and you can sense that, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know what, how far, I can appreciate how far you've come since the first month and like you said the first month is just one month yeah. and it's how you finish so you took a lot of pride in the season well like i like i said well, you you one of the guys that come early to the clubhouse and and i know that you notice that i'm one of those guys that i get prepared to play the game and one of the guys that just sit around and, and wait for things to happen i i looking for things mm -hmm. i try to figure things out and i know that what was happening to me in april it was it wasn't what it's gonna be, what it was gonna be the rest of the season, you know. I work hard, I try to figure things out, I started things because one of the uh, one of the hitters that people know that you can do some damage. Pitcher doesn't just gonna come to you here, hit it. Mm -hmm. you know, they're gonna work you out, see if you, they can get you chasing bad pitches or anything like that, and then move on. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm kind of the guy that I, I don't I don't really like to play under depression that people put on you. I like to play under the pressure that you get mm -hmm. from the pitchers because mm -hmm. that's how the guy that you really have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And it seems like everything was going in that direction. It was a lot of talking about myself at the beginning of the season. Oh, he's older. He, he can catch up on pitches. He can do this. He can do that. He don't have the power that he used to. Whatever, you know. And it was, it was something that really uh, kind of hit me because uh, like I say, you know, I'm, I'm one of the guys that I work really hard to figure things out, and and I know how to figure things out. I just need uh, time and, and 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 make sure that I uh, lock myself in the way I like it, and then things happen. And that's what happened, you know. Like right now, the numbers that I have put up through the season, those are basically the numbers that you guys have seen from me uh, through the years. Even last year that I have a couple of bad months, um, you you saw my number towards the end, mm -hmm. you know, and, and at one point nobody hit more homer or got more RBIs than myself. But I'm, I'm the kind of hitter. I'm the kind of guy that I might start slow, but I'm going to finish strong. And if I start hot, look out. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, it just goes back to figuring out a way. You knew that you had the idea that, okay, I know how to do it. But it must make it difficult, like you said, when you're getting asked every single day about it. That must be the most difficult thing for I don't, you. I don't think there's a player that can play the game like that. Yeah. I don't know how I bounce back, probably because I'm, I'm strong mentally. But uh, you don't play baseball like that. That's not the way baseball is supposed to be. Baseball is supposed to be, okay, I got your back. Go and do your thing. And, you know, we count with you. I know this ball club count with myself. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know I get a lot of, I, I get a lot of pressure from from everyone expecting me to do well every single day. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's not how baseball goes. You're going to hit some guys, some guys going to get you out. Mm -hmm. And whatever, whatever, you know. But this is a game that is a, this is, this is a season that is 162 games. Mm -hmm. and, and you see guys that they have bad months 
probably bad first half, mm-hmm. and they know how to figure things out. Mm-hmm. So I, I was I was being questioned since spring training. I don't know if you remember. Oh, People yeah. was worried about me because I was like all for 14 in the spring training. I was like seriously. Then I got hot one week here in the spring training, and then. Everybody was like, what happened to you? People, this is spring training. Well, day, day two of the season, I remember. Day it, two. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, that was, not, no, I'm going way back. Yeah. That was spring training. And then, after the second game in the season, everybody was questioning me. I never saw anything like that before, either. Yeah. So, what I'm trying to tell you is, there's been a lot of, a lot of questioning things about myself. When, towards the end of the day, people get what they get. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I guess that's 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 being my luck, and I gotta keep it that way. Did it make it any difficult, more difficult? You had the people pressuring you and questioning and everything else, and then you have the the reality that is this: you're going to a contract year. Did that enter your into your or make it more difficult for you at all? Well, it make it difficult, but you know, I'm one of those guys that say that um, the longest I can hit that baseball. I'm gonna find a job somewhere mm-hmm. because this game is all about chemistry, integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, people know how hard you work, mm-hmm. and that's what every baseball team in Major League Baseball look for. Mm-hmm. And I think the longest I've been here, I've been doing my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes facing some tough situation, you know, which is something that is part of the game. But towards the end, the numbers are there. Yeah. Well, not only the numbers are there, but do you think also they should look at all the things that you're talking about? You're talking about a leader on the team. You're talking about what you've done to this point, And you're talking about a founded guy who's a foundation. I mean, when, when you sit down at the end of the year, do you think that that should be factored in as well? Well, I'm going to leave that out to them yeah. because that's something that I, you as a, as, a, as a president, as a owner, mm-hmm. as a... That's the, the one person that, that look around your ball club, look around your employees, mm-hmm. see what, how much ground they cover. You, you keep that on mind, you know? Me, all I can do is just keep on doing my thing and, and stay humble and, and keep doing things the way I do it because I, I believe that what I do is not, it's not, it's not too bad. Mm. And, and as you sit here, we only have a few games to go. You sit here, it seems like you're at peace with yourself, at peace with the situation, at peace with whatever might happen going forward. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I always let you guys know how much and how, how much interest I am in finishing my career here. And, you know, I just um, not going to feel comfortable coming back here just for a year, just to leave all the pressure and all the stuff that I've been through. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's fair for myself because I, I think about things and I go through a lot of things mentally, mm-hmm. especially for this ball club that I have. It's in my blood. The Red Sox is in my blood, you know. And and if there is an organization that I always look at them like, like it's home, like it's part of me. Mm-hmm. It's this one. I mean, this the organization that I be longer, but it, I carry a lot of responsibility playing for this ball club. And I try to uh, um, uh, keep up with. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think I can keep up anymore with 
with all the crap that you go through just because you cool off for one week or one month. Mm. I don't think I can keep up with that. And I think that the only way you can stay away from that is when people know that you have a guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. You so know? you don't want to do the one year thing. If I don't. I don't feel like it unless I have to. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But I don't. I don't. I don't. I, w- I want to be what I was here. And and, and and being part of this ball club and where I finish my career because I think, uh, um, like I said, I feel for this ball club and 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 and, and I believe it or not, I, every year I try to work harder mm-hmm. to to put up the number that we put out there and and I'm telling you, even going through some tough situation, I think I have done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. And so your ideal situation sounds that if you could do a multi-year thing and basically say, you know what, maybe that's the end. Maybe, probably, you know, yeah. probably. Everybody, everybody have, a, have, a, have an end. Everybody yeah. have a finish, yeah. you know. And, 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 and I feel like whenever I, I walk out of here, after I play my last game as a rest up, I want to walk out through a big door because I, I put myself together for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I try to keep it that way, you know. If things doesn't work out that way, I mean, not too much you can do about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I try to keep my head up and and and, and do the right thing just to... Uh, that that would be a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you a chance. You can take back any of those movies and put in another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you had you had Anaconda. You had Analyze This. Scarface. Scarface was number yeah, one. Pink Panther. Pink Panther. And I'm uh, going uh, to give you Rocky. Rocky Four. Rocky. Oh, Rocky Four. It's <laughs> the worst of the bunch. <laughs> All right, David. Thanks a lot. I appreciate right, it. You got to go. So, Kirk, your thoughts on David Ortiz's <laughs> interview? Well, I mean. Let me tell you something. Not since Mike Wallace went after the Sultan of Iran in 1982 have I been subject to such a hard-hitting hard-hitting interview. I mean, how did Ortiz let you out of the locker room after that? Did Pam Daly strip you of your, uh, your season media credential after that? Listen, some tough questions had to be asked, and I was the person to ask them. Were you guys actually slow dancing during the interview? I thought I heard See, shuffling. That's, that's unfair. You're just being unfair. You're looking at this with a jaded point of view. Let me just say this about Ortiz, okay? And I understand he was our guest, and I appreciate that. And I'm Thanks sure for we'll coming s- on, David Ortiz. We'll send him something, I'm sure. What are we, we're already sponsored, right? Uh, well, I don't know if we have a sponsorship. But I think oh, we Fanny's will, Marinara sauce. That's true. We will send him a clip of the best of DJ Bean's columns <laughs> for the book that's coming out in November. <laughs> but the thing about Ortiz is... It never ends. It's been it's been the template for the second half. Hit a home run and bitch that night about his contract. You know that. You know that. I know you can't say that, but you know that. Uh, all right. That's right out of the Mike Manansky playbook, by the way. I know you can't say that. <laughs> so what do you want me for silence from now on? <laughs> Go ahead. Listen, I just want to thank David Ortiz for coming on again. Thank the you, Bradford David. Files. Thanks, Dave. I don't know if you understand, understand but he's a big fan of the show. <laughs> well, I know. He's been since the beginning. I know that. <laughs> Um, executive producer. Well, in fairness to David Ortiz, you're saying, okay, he hits a home run and bitches about his contract. It's not like he, he got up there. Now, now to set the scene a little bit, hmm. this interview was done in, in a private moment after, <laughs> after, after the media session, which lasted about five minutes. Right. So in that media session, he talked about hitting the home runs, hitting against lefties, and then people started asking about his contract. So – he answered the questions. Now, now when we sit down with him, 
as much as I would like to sit there and talk with him about the Pink Panther, Anaconda, Rambo 3, and Scarface for the next 10 minutes, I think more people are interested about his future, right? So I ask him about that. He answers it. If he didn't answer it honestly, then you would have bitched about it. Well, I, you think I'm being critical of you in this entire? Well, maybe, in, in maybe a little defensive. In what regard? I mean, no, but no, my, you, no. My point is, is you can. It just always happens with Ortiz. He's hypersensitive about this contract, and this is a guy. Who, let's be honest, has been paid a lot of money. You know, yes, is, is, is earned it in, in spots, has earned it, not earned it in some spots, and has been given a free pass for in, in Boston for a lot of stuff over the years. It's it, past couple of years, especially that some athletes wouldn't get in this town. He's treated, he's still treated like a god in this town. And it never stops. The guy bitches and moans every time about his contract. He wants three years. He wants four years. There's no respect. This that I, I don't. I don't get where. It, why is he so sensitive about it? Where does it come from? What's it born from? Well, well first of all, he's answer, I'll go back to it. He's answering the question. Right now, if if you were in that situation, uh-huh. and you have to be fair about this, because it, it, this take the hey, I, I wish I made twelve and a half million dollars, and it, it wouldn't it be great? I don't care. I would be. I would do anything for that. You know as well as I do. That's not a reality. It's all relative. And these guys think about, okay, you know what? My contract is up. I did this. I did. I performed this way. These other guys are getting paid this way, and that's how I want to be paid. You would do you? You wouldn't do the same thing. Well, I have a contract, so it doesn't matter. Well, when- see, the, but that's what I'm talking about. This, this, like, do the Wayne's World dream sequence here. Just imagine. Imagine if you will. Put the put the rainbows and unicorns over your head with a wizard hat. Let me ask you this. What caliber of gun did John Henry hold to David Ortiz's head when he had him sign a contract? He had a twelve point five million dollar player option. At was the end that of the, the year? Yeah. So, so why does he want? Why can't he just accept the, that may happen or may not happen? Why does well, he? I, why is that about three or four years? Clearly, you did not listen to the interview well enough. <laughs> I was so caught in Rocky <laughs> Four. <laughs> because the the fact is, they say, hey, listen, you know, if they pick it up, they pick it up. But I would rather have uh, something where. It was multiple years, and I wouldn't have to go through this type of thing again where I worried about it. Now, people say, well, why are you saying that? I just think he's being honest. It, the, guy hit, the guy hit 31 home runs, right? Good year. Good year, yes. Okay, right, yeah. all right. And, and, and a lot of, in the days of yore when contracts were a little higher and DHs were valued a little bit more, if you hit 31 home runs, even if you're in your mid-30s, you were probably thought to be around an 11 $12 million player, right? Now, I don't think that's what the market is now, but still, if you hit 31 home runs, he's probably thinking, hey, you know what? I, I, I'm deserved this chance of getting a couple of years. So I just think he's being honest. My thing with Ortiz is I think he thinks it's still 2005, 2004 with David Ortiz, and it's not anymore. The Red Sox would be, it'd be ludicrous to sign him to a long-term extension. Well, what's a long-term extension? I wouldn't sign. I would offer. I would not give him the twelve point five. I'd say, you know what, you want to come back at eight million, come back. If not, hit the bricks. To, for one Which year. Is one of my phrases. Yeah. Yeah, one year. What? What's? Would you rather have David Ortiz next year or Adam? I like. By three the way, years? I like. Does that fit the headline space? <laughs> I wish it did. Minahan colon Ortiz hit the bricks. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. I'd rather have, I'd rather have Adam Dunn for the next three years and David Ortiz for next year. And that's fair enough. I'm First just of saying. all, yeah, that's that's fine. But okay, so why are we why are we yelling at each other? Because we're it's intense, a lot of energy. Yeah, it's it's passion. <laughs> Go ahead. It, it it's either David Ortiz 
31 home runs. You aren't going to find a lot of guys in Major League Baseball going to hit 30 runs, home runs, right? We uh-huh. understand he was bad against lefties this year, and that might have dropped his value down and, and put some doubt in the mind of anybody who's going to sign him. But still, I think it's it's one of these things where you say, oh, well, rather have Adam Dunn. First of all, is Adam Dunn going to sign here to be a DH? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I, I, you know better than me. I don't know. Yes, I do. Very, <laughs> What's I'm, the answer? I actually am Adam Dunn's our guest next week <laughs> on the Bradford Files. Um, no, I mean, all, all signs point to that. I don't think that that was necessarily what he prefers. So I, I think that's going to be a tough signing. If you said, okay, you know what? Those two guys are going to take the same money. And Adam Dunn has no problem DHing. Yeah, it's a debate. It's a little bit a legitimate debate. But also, you have to factor in how many years is it going to take to get Adam Dunn. And if if a team comes in and said, "Hey, you know what? We'll sign him with three or four years." Are you comfortable with that? Are you more comfortable with signing Adam Dunn to a four-year contract than you are in signing David Ortiz to a two-year contract? Answer me now. <laughs> well, it gets back to for me. Is the idea? It just annoys me on on a on a human level. Well, uh, sorry, I'm sorry morally, to offend your I'm sensibilities. Af- as you know, I, I'm a guy who's, who's rooted in moral fiber, <laughs> and and the idea that Ortiz, I don't care what you say, you know, it's she's just so sensitive. It never ends. With him. It started all year. It started at the beginning of the year when he acted all offended when Frank Cona benched him one day for you know just for and it, which may have turned out to. But, but we aren't talking about that. We're talking about his contract. I'm getting. I'm getting the point. Is that he? Well, well you know, we, listen, we're, we're, I'll say we're paying I'll, by the minute here. I'll say this: the world would not end if the Red Sox picked up Ortiz's twelve million dollar option. Yes, the four million dollars. If I say he should make eight million dollars, and the Red Sox want to pay him twelve point five million, that four and a half million is just not going to make a big difference. And if the Red Sox want to bring bring in Jeremy Hermida or some some jabroni to be their DH, some take a shot on some guy, then I say bring back Ortiz. But I would rather have done for three years. Then Ortiz for two years. I would. Okay, that's fair. And I think that what we're talking about is just it might all might be moot because the more I think about it, now, I didn't think they were going to pick up the $12.5 million option because it's just not what the market's bearing right now. But the more I think about it, the more I kind of think that they might. And so all the stuff that we're talking about, it's like, okay, who cares? And That's good. Oh, all right. Well, let's move on. <laughs> but but real, my, one of my final thoughts is, I don't know what my final thought is. Oh, one of my final thoughts is the fact is that, you know, he he's, the option gets picked up, and then he sits at the picnic table in Fort Myers and might say a few things. Hey, you know, I really wish they didn't pick up the option. But at the end of the day, he's playing for another contract. And if you're a businessman, and they've done this before where they let Schilling write out his contract with when they had an option there. Yep. If you're a businessman, you always want the guy to be playing for something and, and being motivi- motivated by something. So I wouldn't really begrudge him for picking that up. What's the market for a tease other than the Red Sox? How many other teams well, realistically are going to that? And that's the problem. The fact is that you have – one league, you have one a guy who can only play one position, and how many teams need that position, and how many teams then of those teams of will pay that kind of money right. for that position. So three. Uh, uh, well, let me ask you this because I know that you are in, in the inside of information <laughs> of everything Major League Baseball. True. Would the Yankees be in the market for David Ortiz? You're talking about obviously a stadium that kind of fits his swing. You know, I I. 
Good answer. Pre-George Stein, you know, with, with George Steinbrenner was still kicking, I'd say maybe. Are the, are the Yankees going to give David Ortiz, what, 10, are they going to give him 10, 11 million bucks to DH next year? If if the Yankees come, say, okay, David Ortiz, we're willing to give you two years, 12 million a year, which for the Yankees, let's be honest, I, we understand the Yankees have a budget just like everybody else, but two years at 12 million isn't an enormous investment for them. Right. They do that. The Red Sox... You know, they say, hey, you know what, we, we're comfortable with two years, 10. Now, Ortiz still might sign with the Red Sox because he likes it here, and I think the Red Sox know that, so they they have that kind of in their corner. But would you would you is that out of the realm of possibility that the Yankees might try to do that and that Ortiz might take that offer? No, definitely not. I mean, Berkman's gone right after this year, and Nick Johnson did nothing. So, I mean, they're going to be looking at the DH, but that's it. To me, that's the only ball game in town is the Yankees. Where's he if you're talking about that kind of money, there's nowhere else. He's not going to go to Tampa, Detroit. Well, you know what? It LA. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm just yeah, but that's it. That that possibility, I think, is the only possibility that could that could do. And one other one other thing before we close. Minahan, colon, Ortiz to Yanks. <laughs> before we close the Ortiz book. Thanks. There's sort of this now this kind of national these national writers these dopes always get it wrong. They're playing it up like like there's going to be this massive sort of swell of emotion that the from from the fans they'll keep Ortiz here they want Ortiz to me if the Red Sox make a legitimate offer to Ortiz and he walks the fans aren't going to get that worked up about it it's not like it used to be with Ortiz and the Red Sox fans I think they'll be all right if the Red Sox are, are make a competitive offer or at least explain the situation and Ortiz walks well let's be honest when's the last time that legitimately happened when's the last time it was there was this groundswell of emotion behind someone in Red Auerbach when he went to the Knicks when they were when they were jumping in front of the cab in '77. <laughs> I thought you were going to throw out a Char- Charlie Simmer reference there. I don't know why, <laughs> but probably you know probably Mike Lowell, right? Mike Lowell. But why was that? Because they won the championship, and I I think that you're right because they a lot of people think that they should be turning over this roster anyway. Right. Now, if they don't sign someone and they do go with, hey, you know what, we're going to go with some sort of platoon at DH, and, and which might, you know, might be effective, but perception-wise, it would be a big hit. But so, you know, I, I, I don't know. But I don't think the Red Sox – I don't think the I don't think that Theo Epstein said, I'm signing Mike Lowell because he won a World Series MVP for us. I think he thought he was going to contribute. No, but you're talking about perception. Right, you're right. talking about fan perception, and, and you're right. You're right in the sense that, that – yeah, sometimes people get up, people got upset over Alex Gonzalez. Fortunately, I was able to talk them down off the <laughs> ledge with my, Mark, with my Marco Scudero <laughs> analysis. Um, but yeah, so people get worked up for a day and then it goes away. And then, but I, I think that that was different because they won the championship. Anyway, did we talk about David Ortiz enough? I think so. Thank you, David Ortiz, for coming on the Bradford Files. You're always welcome back. Anytime. Yeah. Oh, isn't that nice of you? Five favorite novels next week? <laughs> oh, we even so now we, we, we have to really quickly. What's your top movie ever? My favorite movie of all time? Yes. Is All the President's Men. That's weak. I'm sorry. We're, we're, go ahead. Go ahead. What? Well, what's your favorite movie of all time? Well, uh, I would say that uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of them lumped together. Well, go ahead. I like Slapshot. It's fantastic. No problem with that. All right. I like the Pink Panther, Anaconda. <laughs> Analyze this. Do you think like Ortiz watches Anaconda and afterwards <laughs> is like, this is one of the five best movies I've ever seen? Like, do you think he's like, he called, like, I know when I, when I saw a movie, like, I wrote a column a couple of years ago, I talked about my 10 favorite movies of 
of the last decade. Uh, yes, num- I remember that. My number one favorite movie was Zodiac. Yes. I think it was the best film last decade. I saw that movie that night. I was so excited. Called a couple of my friends. I was talking to my wife about it. I was excited. I, I could barely sleep that night. I kept thinking about the movie. You're really, that's <laughs> really sad. Do you think Ortiz was like that with Anaconda? Sure. You really think so? You think he was? You think he called up? Um, what year did that come out? Like '96. <laughs> I don't know. J Lo, right? Yeah. Who would he call up? Was he with the? Was he like who? Where was he then? Twins organization? Yeah. Called up Tory Hunter. Yeah. He called up Tory Hunter. And was like, you're not going to believe this movie. These performances are unbelievable. This nuanced plot. These twists. Yeah. Well. Or he's like that Pink Panther. That Clouseau well, is you crazy. Know, my my only question, really, I think the real revela- revelation of that whole interview was the fact that he was able to add in. A Rocky movie, which <laughs> Rocky Four, with all due respect, Rocky Four was not the one I would add in. I actually might, I actually might take. As much as I was jacked and pumped after Rocky Four, oh yeah. I, in hindsight, I, I actually might take Balboa over Rocky Four. Well, I'll give you the Rocky movies if you want them, because we don't count Rocky Five in terms of pure cinematic enjoyment for me. Enjoyment, not the quality of film. It goes three, two. Four, one, and the last one that just came out. Really? Yeah. One so far down the list. Well, just it's not it's not a whole lot of fun. I mean, you know, I I don't think Ortiz again is watching it as a as a cinephile, as it were. <laughs> no, I don't think he was either. Well, I'm just saying. So I yeah, I could see. I mean, Rocky Four is great. It's great for what it is. You know, I should have known because I did see him walking the Fenway Park stairs with a log on his back. <laughs> My two, my two leftover questions from Rocky Four. All these years later, <laughs> yes. You think like Drago mm. probably should have been brought up on some sort of legal murder charges, considering he shoved the referee out of the way and killed Apollo Creed. Number one. Well, it would have have to be extra extradition. Well, uh, yeah, they should have kept him in the country. Yeah. And number two, that bef- was a problem. They got him out of there quick. Before that fight, if yeah. you remember, Rocky and Apollo were talking in the. Uh, in the training room, mm-hmm. and Rocky doesn't want any part of this fight. He knows something's wrong, but Stallone, the guy didn't miss in the 80s. He knew what was going on. He said to Apollo, you know, why don't we just postpone it for a couple of weeks? And then Apollo says to him, well, what happens if some guy comes in here and knocks a bum out? Does that mean, is that how it works? They actually have a guy ready to go if Apollo postpones a fight right there? Yeah, his name's Ray Mercer. <laughs> <laughs> I just never understood that. I, I, I don't know. I, and I always wanted to see a Clubber Lang Drago fight. That would have been a great pay-per-view fight, like, both guys coming off the Balboa loss. What was the movie? Oh, the heart, not the Heartbreak Kid. The um, forget it. It was another boxing movie. It was the most miscast boxing movie ever. When was with it? With the director, the guy who directs now. Um, oh, Peter Berg. Peter Berg. The Great White Hype. Yes. Yeah, that was terrible. Yes. Terrible. That should be on the sixty-four worst sports movies of all time. <laughs> Call him it. I'll be <laughs> farting out at some point. I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so now it's that special time of the the show where we get into emails. Hold on. (laughs) Here's our email music. First one we pull up is from Colin M. in Brighton. Love the show last week, guys. Keep up the good work. This email will go down in history as the email that made us actually do a show. That's true. Thanks, Colin M. Thank you, Colin, yeah. What's your email? Well, I can't really get into the actual specifics of what's said. There's a lot of bleeping going on, but but there's a guy who – comments on my columns pretty frequently and he has given himself the tag kirk m sucks s-u-x thanks well there's different ways to spell it uh and he sent me his first email last week after my patriots report card that i did uh, on the jets game and he has taken the the he's actually taken the email account out kirk m sucks 
we'll say at AOL.com, just for argument's sake. And in this email, pretty much asked me why I have a job, why you hired me, how much long I'm, how much long I'm gonna be putting on this facade for, and basically all good questions. And basically, at the end, suggesting it might be better for everybody if I decide to maybe take my own life. Really? Yes. Do we should we investigate this further? Are you worried? <laughs> it's possible I sent it to myself. I mean, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I sent I sent you I, I learned from Rob Bradford the template. Thanks for reading. I sent back the thanks for reading email. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know how that they, work. No response after that. You kill yeah. them with kindness. And usually you get back the email saying, "Hey, you know, it was nothing personal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was having a bad day. You know, maybe I didn't read it right. That's usually how it works. And hey, you know, I can't really argue with a lot of his points. <laughs> <laughs> just the mere fact that I just love the love that he made his own email account. That's that's pretty solid. <laughs> What, why don't you why don't you why don't you do like some sort of counter strike? Why don't you make your own email account and email him back? It's just a war I don't want to get into. It's just you know, you just work as hard as you can. <laughs> you get your hands dirty and you hear stuff like it that. It's like think, digging di- ditches. Yeah, it's like coal mine. What am I doing out here? Trying to find tweets from NFL teams and NFL players. Yeah, I mean, this for is the real NFL work. picks. Man, I I just don't know how do you do it. It's how like, many, it's how like many, who bought the beer at the top of the Shawshank Redemption roof? <laughs> how, how many – how often do you read a, a tweet from an athlete and think, oh, this is – I'm glad he wrote this. This I, Now I know something I didn't know before. How often? Yeah. Uh, well, Nate Robinson at, at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning, I always find <laughs> out something new. What, what, does he sleep? What, what's what's going on? I really don't know. I think he went to like a, a webinar once, <laughs> a, a, and they said, you know, the perfect time to get retweeted is at three or four in the morning, and what you want to do is eliminate all vowels in your tweets as much as possible, so people think that they know what they're reading, but they really have no idea. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm I, don't, I just don't understand. Yeah, that that is a pro- that is a serious problem in our society. The athletes' tweets. Oh, here we go. It is. Why is it? I mean, why? Why is it? Because I can't understand what they're saying. That's why it's. That's why it's a problem. Are you telling me that you'd rather read what Woody Page tweets than what Chad Ochocinco tweets? I mean, you know, sometimes both are morons in their own special way. Yeah, but (laughs) I don't know if that was a compliment or an insult. (laughs) Kind of both. You know, I I think that I it frustrates me. Marquis Daniels tweets. Are the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but why do you follow Marquis Daniel on Twitter? What What are you gonna get? Just get rid of him. Kick him out. Because what, what's it's the cool. Point? Like, <laughs> it's all the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> I mean, what is What is Marquis Daniels gonna do, do for you in his tweets? Because you think he's following you. Because maybe. You think, oh, what? Well, closing time. Jeez, I gotta read this Mariners Red Sox closing time. That, uh... If I because if I can decipher it, then I'll, <laughs> one day if I decipher what he's saying. That I will have gone to to a place where I never thought I'd go before, which is the world of the professional athlete. That Celtics locker, not Marquis Daniels is going to be there, but that Celtics locker room this year is going to be tweeterific. Just a chaos, just a chaos, absolute utter soup to nuts chaos in there. How do you know? What do you talk? What do you mean? How do I know? What are, what are you? What are you? What are you doing? Like the, what are the hard knock? Have you been doing the hard knocks for the last ten years of <laughs> going around and? Filming Nate Robinson with the Knicks. I was there, man. Shaq and Cleveland last I saw, year. I saw Nate Robinson and uh, and Glenn Davis last year. That whole scene. You throw Shaq in the mix. It's just gonna be. Too, you know, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be totally worn out by the Celtics by like the beginning of December. It'll be get me to the playoffs time at that point. Well, but you know, if if they go on any kind of losing streak, have any kind of injuries, that 
that's when it's be that's when the poop is going to hit the fan. Yeah. It's and it's going to go it's that could be a very very difficult group if things start going south much more than last year. I mean, who would who would you say is the most important guy on that team in terms of okay, if that guy gets hurt, that guy's out of the it gets in a putting accident at the Celtics golf tournament. Right. Out for the year. Which Celtics player can they least afford to lose for the year? Well, I wasn't going to phrase it that way, but sure. Well, it's got to be Rondo, I think. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. He's he's the the key defensive player on the team, and he has the ball 90% of the time on offense. I mean, I don't know who. So so what happens then? I mean, if, if the way that the NBA is constructed where you have basically three or four teams that can legitimately win it, and and you lose Rondo, do you do you enter into the world of the Washington Wizards? Come on. No, I mean, you, have, you, still, have, you still have Allen, you still have Pierce. You still no, you Garnett. know what you enter into? You enter into the world of the Celtics in the playoffs a couple years ago. Where they might be able to win around, and that's it. Yeah, it'd be like forty-five and thirty-seven or something. And then, then that that there goes out the window. Your hope for the last great run, even though all these guys are in two-year contracts. I understand that. So what you're telling me is that if Rajon Rondo misses the entire season with an injury, the Celtics will be worse off. That's why we do it here. <laughs> that's how we do it. <laughs> that's how it rolls. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a legitimate point. People are hanging a lot of hopes and dreams on this team. Well, I think it's just – I just think people are excited. I, I'm, I am amazed. I totally misread how important or how much Shaq was going to mean to this city. I just didn't think people were going to care that much because the guy is – How three, do you know? Because people are fired up about it. Everyone's re- – you, you put something up, people read it, people are into it. The guy's 350 years old. He's not going to do a whole lot. I think I think people are going to be pretty disappointed in the level of production they see from Shaq. If they're realistic about it, it's going to be okay. But if they expect him to be anything close to Shaq, not going to be pretty. Well, how about this? If they didn't sign Shaq, you yeah. look at it now, because I, I think that when they signed Jermaine O'Neal, some people thought, oh, well, Kendrick Perkins is going to be along eventually and help out. If they don't, there's a huge hole there. I mean, if he he's another one. If you get hurt, him hurt, you talked about a bad rebounding team last year. It's a it's you're right back to square one in a lot of respects because you don't have Kendrick Perkins, one of your better rebounders. You're placing with a Jermaine O'Neal. You don't know what he's going to do. I mean, Shaq offers an important piece of this puzzle. I agree. I mean, I don't think that people are going to get what they hope in terms of production, but in still a complimentary way, he's an important part of it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. It's going to be weird when we have Shaq on and we ask him about his five favorite movies because he's actually been in three of my favorite movies. Uh, see, that's where I was trying to get Ortiz to go down the road. <laughs> Put, knocking Shaq? Just please keep listing movies until you say the word Kazam. <laughs> Blue Steel? No, not Blue Steel. What was it? Oh, was Blue, it? Blue Steel? <laughs> Steel? Wasn't he a movie like? Wasn't he a movie where he was like in like armor? Kazam. No, that's the genie movie. Kazam. <laughs> he was in some other movie. On next week's show, we'll be having Kirk Minahan's Three Degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Many of you don't realize this, but we just tried executing it for the first time, but it was edited out of this program. It didn't go as well as I had hoped. No. I'm going to tell you what it was anyway. I had brought up Andy Dick, and the logical progression was that Andy Dick worked with Sarah oh. Michelle Geller. What? Sarah Michelle Geller? And what? Happily Never After. I've never heard of that movie. Who worked with Kevin Bacon. Where'd you work with Kevin Bacon? In uh, the air up there. She was in the air up there. You got it. How old was she then? I don't know. I don't have the answers to all these questions. <laughs> but is there anything else you want to uh, mention before we, we, we part ways here? 
No, just, I just want to thank everybody who's been coming to the website. Keep it strong. WEI.com, representing. Peeps, what was it? The, the, we, we should have a contest because I really think we start. We got to start giving away the, the best the collection of DJ Beans. The best of DJ Beans columns? The best of DJ Beans columns. I just want that cover of that book. <laughs> Next week, DJ Bean will be rapping for us <laughs> on his way to Prague to cover the Bruins. Anyway, thanks for everyone for stopping by, and uh, thanks to David Ortiz for being our special guest. And just don't listen to what Kirk Minahan said anything about David Ortiz. We thank him very much. Thank you, David. And uh, we'll be back next week for another day. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Now you can enjoy MLB Play, the one app with all your favorite free MLB games. Enjoy Beat the Street, Quick Pick, and more. Enjoy competing against friends. Enjoy unlocking exclusive rewards. Plus, your chance to win $5.6 million. Download MLB Play. Enjoy the app. Enjoy the show. MLB Play. No purchase necessary. Must be 21 or older to enter Beat the Streak, which ends at the conclusion of the MLB regular season or when the grand prize is won. Restrictions apply. See MLB.com forward slash play for official rules. An office party resulting in a half-million-dollar lawsuit. Human remains on display in a hotel ballroom. Just two examples of the stories we'll be digging into on our new podcast, Something Offbeat. I'm your host, Mike Rogers. I've always got an eye out for stories that leave me wanting to know more, and I think you will too. So join me for Something Offbeat on the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts.